Greetings all, Andy Dukes here again. What makes a man give up a successful career in law and land registry and the luxurious trappings of wealth for a life on two wheels? The lure of the open road, of course. Miguel Silvestre has travelled through more than 100 countries across the African continent, the entire Middle East and the Americas from Alaska to Patagonia. But his real passion is history and following in the footsteps of the Spanish explorers of the past. As a writer, he's published hundreds of stories, three novels, a play and seven travel books. I don't need to tell you what bike he rides though, do I? For the past seven years, he's been producing and directing TV programmes about motorcycle adventure, including his Diaries of a Nomad series, which has been broadcast for 12 seasons already. He's a true modern-day storyteller and has plenty of tales to share on bikes, border crossings, bribes and the benefits of solo travel. Let's meet him now. Miguel, welcome to Ride and Talk. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak to other riders about the motorcycle way of life. It's a pleasure, my friend. So, motorcycle way of life, how would you describe yourself then? A motorcyclist, an adventurer, an author, a pioneer, a nomad, something else? I think just, uh, I'm just a, a curiosity guy, a curious guy. No? I'm, a, I'm a writer and I, I have been using motorcycling for writing for a long time. I'm getting old. And um, it's been, I think, maybe 15 years traveling on a motorcycle just for writing people how is uh, the world I, I could see. Yeah, and that's a good word there, curious, curiosity. So as a young man then, where did your curiosity about the world come from? Looking at people, looking at people and looking at, my, at myself, no? because I was wondering all the time, who are these guys? Uh, where are they coming from? Especially because uh, I was a kid and uh, we were living in summers in the uh, west coast of Spain, east coast of Spain, Levante, Valencia, Denia. I was uh, born there. And uh, they, they, they were a lot of tourists and very different people from uh, of what I was used to see normally. No? So I was wondering all the time where are they from, especially when they're traveling on a motorcycle. So I was, and I also was a, um, a big reader. Uh, when I was a kid, my, my parents, they have a, a, a bookshop, no? And uh, my father is a lawyer and my mother is a doctor, but what is, they, they have a, a business because they wanted themselves to read, to have the access to books, no? So when I was a kid, my best toys, they, they were books. So I, I used to read and I think the curiosity comes from that. This curiosity it obviously led to you becoming interested in motorcycling somehow, but why motorcycles rather than cars, buses, trains for traveling? Uh, because my father, he, he had motorcycles. I, uh, when I was a kid, he had a lot of big motorcycles when they are not very popular in Spain. So I was used to see big motorcycle at home, and when I was maybe seven years old, he gave he gave me as a present a toy motorcycle, but it's a, a real motorcycle. It was called Montesa Cota uh, 25. It's, it's a off-road, big, tiny motorcycle. But I learned how to ride in that motorcycle when I was very young. So what led you to a BMW GS then? Oh. 
it's a long story because uh, when I was uh, maybe 35 or something like that, I, was, I had a good job, I was, I was earning good money. And then uh, my father and I, we were buying more or less the same motorcycle, no? and, uh, just to ride together. And uh, we bought a uh, Ducati Monster, uh, SR2, uh, we bought a uh, Buell, and we also bought a uh, Harley Davidson Night Road. She, he's uh, still riding that motorcycle, but I had an accident with that motorcycle. Uh, the, the Harley Davidson uh, V-Road, the former version with no ABS, it has a very strange geometry. It's too long, too heavy. And when you hit the brakes, the fork doesn't go down. It's just blocked. The, the front wheel usually used to block. So I fell down with that motorcycle and I broke uh, an elbow. Yeah, so I, I had a, a bad accident and my elbow was broken. I had to stop motorcycling for a while. And I was thinking about what I'm going to do when I get a recover, when I recover myself, what I'm going to do? I think I don't want to ride another motorcycle with, with no ABS. I have to buy a motorcycle with ABS. And then I remember when I was reading the motorcycle magazines in the 80s that BMW was the brand who introduced, which introduced uh, ABS in motorcycling. Now everyone, every, every brand has ABS. But that, in that time, I remember, okay, BMW has good ABS. So I, I went to the dealership, I sold my GS, my Harley Davidson, and I bought a, a GS 1200 from 2005. It was a pre-owned, no? second hand. And uh, I still have that motorcycle. I bought it in, in 2009. And it's the motorcycle with, uh, I used to ride for the television movies. It's called La Gorda, and now it's totally different because it was built and uh, customized and everything. It's uh, like a monster bike, but it's the same engine that I bought in that time. And that motorcycle changed my life completely. Once I put on the motorcycle, I felt the desire to, of traveling. That's interesting. Yeah, so it really inspired you. Now, you mentioned at the time that you were working, you had a good job. So what was it that made you leave this comfortable world behind? It was after my accident, I was uh, lying on the bench where the physiotherapist, I don't know how to say in English, is uh, the guy who's uh, putting your muscles again, yeah, the physio, no? He was working on my elbow and it, he was hurting me. I, uh, it was not a good time. And uh, I was thinking on lying there, I, I don't want to be here. But I don't want to be here, not just in this bed, I don't want to be here doing this. No, in this life, this kind of life, because I was, I was, I was going to be 40, it was 39, the big crisis uh, came to me. So I think I'm single, I have no children, I have no debt, I have no obligation, I have still money safe in the, in the bank. What I can do is uh, earning more money, but this is not earning more life. So I want to do something else. So I just uh, asked for a sabbatic year because uh, I was working uh, for, it's a public job, no? But uh, I, I, I asked for a sabbatical year just to write a book, a novel, because I used to write some books before. But then, I, as I quit my job, I, th I thought, okay, it's good time for traveling abroad. And I took my motorcycle and went to Ireland. 
And I spent uh, the whole summer in Ireland learning English, not with profitable. It's uh, my English is like a rust tool of traveler, but it's enough to get on, to get by with people. I can understand. Uh, and I think I, I can be understood. But uh, my accent, I, I know, is terrible. It's a very uh, Spanish strong accent. <laughs> hey, but I always like celebrating differences, man. Yeah, so we, we, we understand each other. So I went to Ireland and then I, I, I found the story of the Spaniards who were there sailing in the Spanish Armada who tried to invade you no, in the uh, 15th century. And there they, they were a lot of shipwrecks uh, along the Irish coast. So I decided to follow the, those tracks on my motorcycle, writing an article, and uh, suddenly I published my article in the big newspaper in Spain because the story was really unknown. And then I, I discovered that uh, traveling on a motorcycle, living my dream, living my own experience, mixed with a historical uh, way of studying or telling people about uh, explorers, former explorers from the past, was something really interesting for, to be read. And then I started this kind of work and it, it worked for me. Fantastic. So they have a lot of shipwrecks, about uh, 8,000 Spaniards died there. So it's, it's a story not well known in Spain, and I wanted to tell that story, and then I started a, a, a track, and I followed that track, and I've been traveling all over the world, US, uh, Africa, Asia, telling people about what the, the Spaniards did you know, in the former times. But now I can tell about every kind of explorers from all the world. This is fantastic. So describe to me the feeling of publishing your first ever article, selling your first ever article to, did you say it was Spanish newspaper or? Yeah, ABC is called, uh, it's uh, one of the main uh, newspaper in Spain and they, they got interested in my story and I published that story there. And uh, since then I've been publishing, uh, now I'm making a, a TV show for the, like, like your BBC, uh, your BBC 2. No, I do. I doing some something like that in in Spain. It's a mix between long way round and uh, but also uh, historical uh, point of view about the the travels, no, about about, about trips. So I'm mixing culture. Uh, the, I got an award last year uh, the, uh, as the best cultural TV show in Spain. And um, yeah, 2020 is uh, something incredible. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. So when you did this original first journey and you sold your story, was that the moment when you decided to plan a much bigger journey? No, 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 no. Because uh, once I, I did this uh, Irish trip, it finished uh, in summer, in winter. It's not fun to ride motorcycling in, in Ireland. So I went back to Spain and I thought, where can I go? No, because I, I want to keep me traveling on a motorcycle, but at the same time, I want to keep me studying English. So I decided to go to US to do the, in, in winter, the coast to coast trip by the border, the Mexican border. And the, the weather is good there. It's perfect weather for riding motorcycle. It's a little bit cool but uh, it's sunny, so it's perfect. So then I, I did this trip. It was my first long trip 
crossing the U.S. from uh, Miami to San Francisco. I was uh, I had a it was maybe two months on the road, every day in a different place. I, it was fantastic. I, I found my place on earth. So uh, the best the best place is always on your motorcycling, just riding. No, it's a paradise. The best paradise because once you are in a in a place, you feel uh, good for a time, for a while, but then you realize you have to leave this place. No, it happens to me to any country. I'm very happy to be in a, in a, in a new country when I'm traveling. Uh, I'm on a long trip, but once I I I, I am there for a week, I I, <laughs> I need to go to another another place. But uh, after that trip in the, in in United States. I thought my I'm, I was prepared to do bigger trips, longer trips. No, so after that I crossed Africa in uh, in 2009. It was uh, I bought uh, a GS12, a GS8 R80 GS from 1992. I I, I bought it in Nairobi and uh, I, I it was my first time in Africa. I was alone and uh, I when I rode. United States, I thought, okay, I can, I am ready to ride in Africa. No. Different story. <laughs> totally different story. It's like, uh, it's, you know, you have a, a, a driver license for a, a Muppet, for a scooter, and you try to, to pilot a, 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 you know, a Boeing. It's something totally, it's incredible, no? To be in Africa alone, a motorcycle. Uh, I was fed up of, uh, I was full of bad news from the news, no? from the newspapers, tele television, magazines. So what do you think when you are going to Africa? You think, okay, they are going to kill me or rob me or steal me or kidnap me uh, as, as I leave the, the city. But nothing that, no, no, no it's, it's nothing happened. If you read the newspapers or watch the news, you you never go to these places because you only have one side of the story and it can make you afraid. But when you go, when you travel, it's always a different story, isn't it? Always. And I learned a lot in that African trip because then I realized the world is much better place than they tell us uh, from the uh, newspapers. So if you believe them, then you go nowhere. But it's, it's a stupid thing because they are lying. They just, newspapers, they, they try to sell newspapers or to make you click on the news, no? So what they show you is the worst part of the world. They show you all, always war, poverty, disease. So it's what I found uh, when I was traveling in Africa by myself. I did 14,000 kilometers and everyone was friendly, uh, helpful, I got, every, it happened everything to me, no? I got uh, bribed, I had to pay bribes to cross borders, uh, I had encounters with policemen, I could animals, I have uh, breakdowns, uh, failures of the motorcycle, but I, 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 I was able to solve everything because always there someone to help. And uh, it's, I think it was the, the best learning about life and then I just I just didn't stop of traveling. I mean you learn a lot about yourself on a journey like that don't you? Yeah of course it's uh, something uh, one because I know a lot of uh, overlanders I know of uh, overlanders uh, travelers no by motorcycle by bicycle by 
by food, by car. There is, everyone is different, but there is one thing that is common to all of them. They, all of them, they have a, a, a huge uh, self-confidence. All of them, they think they can solve their problems by themselves. They, okay, whatever it comes, I will solve it. I think he learned a little bit of that by taking the risks in the first place to go, where other people maybe stay behind and say, it's not for me. These are the people, these are the pioneers that take the risk and just say, hey, what can go wrong? Yeah, I think when, when people say me, you are brave, I don't think so. Uh, maybe I did just one brave thing in my, first, in my whole life. It was the, to take the decision of traveling in Africa for the first time. It was crazy or bravery, I don't know. But uh, once you cross Africa and you see there is nothing terrible, it's not a brave act to travel, it's a clever act to travel. Because I'm, I'm full of fears. I'm still, when I'm planning another a trip to another place, I, I, I think about the, the things that could be wrong. But uh, because I think fear is the best tool for a traveler. It's a, it's a, it's a tool. Uh, an, an animal without fear is a, is a dead animal. Or if you don't feel fear, <laughs> you are going to be killed soon. You have to be clever and you have to look. You have to be aware of everything. When I'm going in a, in a trip, in a journey, I sleep very short time because I'm aware. Everything wakes me up. No? You sleep with one eye open. Yeah, sure. But you trust people, but you're not stupid. So, uh, and it worked for me. And uh, I think the um, world is a good place, but the world can kill you. Especially traveling on a motorcycle, because not, the people are nice, but drivers are terrible everywhere. So the most dangerous thing in a motorcycle journey is not to be attacked or killed by, robber, by bandits. No, it's, it's, just to, it's just to be bumped by a, you know, a dummy, someone who is uh, talking by phone or uh, arguing with their children. That's a real... Yeah, danger. The, the kind of thing that happens every day if you're riding yeah, through yeah. certain places in the world, especially in places like uh, India. That was my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. India is the worst place of, for riding. There is a club called India. I never do it again. I think I'm a member of that club, but <laughs> I still love it. When I think back, I still love it for sure. But when you, by the time you'd ridden through Africa, you must have then had the confidence to feel that you could go anywhere in the world. That's exactly what I thought because I didn't know yet about Central Asia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did the, the East Coast in Africa. I did the East Coast from starting from Nairobi. Then I did a, a, a trip in, from uh, Egypt to Kenya again. So I did the whole Africa. But in that, time, in that trip, I started in Nairobi and I crossed uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Zambia, Zimbabwe, uh, South Africa, Botswana, then Namibia, and then South Africa again, uh, Lesotho, Swaziland, Mozambique. But more or less, all of them, they were a British colony, no? except... Um, Mozambique, the, where they speak Portuguese, I, I, I can't, I, they understand me in Spanish. They were very surprised because they didn't understand 
what I was talking, because uh, they are used to see or to deal with South African white people uh, who are tourists in Mozambique and they speak English. And the problem is, I was speaking in a very strange language for them, pretty similar to Portuguese, but not the same. No? When you ride a, a motorcycle along a British colony in Africa, you can get uh, on with people. People understand you because more or less they speak English. So it's easy. And in Africa, there are big, big gaps where they, there is nothing. From 500 kilometers to 500 kilometers, you find a city. And in a city, you can find more or less everything. The problem is, uh, after my African trip, I thought myself, okay, I'm really, I'm really ready for the adventure. I can go everywhere. No? And then I rode my motorcycle to uh, Central Asia. I took my motorcycle, uh, the La Gorda, my first GS, and I crossed uh, Ukraine, 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 and Russia, and uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, then, uh, then Azerbaijan. I'm looking at my map now, yeah. I'm tracing your route on the map of my wall. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean, once I, get, I got into Ukraine, uh, I felt comple completely lost. Lost in translation. Nobody understood you. You know, you were, you understood nobody. Yeah, no one is, speak English, and uh, I didn't speak a word in Russian, and I even can't, couldn't understand the signals because they were written in uh, in Cyrillic, in Cyrillic. So it was okay. And then it was 2009 when I was in 2009 in Ukraine and Russia. Uh, it was terrible. Very poor countries, very, very poor. I was surprised to see white people so poor, no? because I, I, was peep, I, I saw a woman, a woman uh, working in his farm, like, doing the job that used to be done with animals, no? or, or a tractor, no? by, him, by herself. A beautiful Ukrainian woman doing the big hard labor in the farm. And it was astonishing to me. It was something. What, what is what is going here? And the the cops, they the cops, they were so corrupt, so so corrupt. It was something incredible. The worst thing is to be in a hurry in a trip in a hard place. You no, know? you are in Africa or you are in Central Asia. You cannot be in a hurry because maybe it's going to be problems with uh, the motorcycle, bureaucratic problems, visas, borders, cops. Or you are going to find somewhere or somewhere that you want to stay for a while, no? and you you have to, or you 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 want to take a detour and go to anything. To, but if you if your schedule is too tight, you are going to miss that, and it's going to be very stressful for you. So just going back to the old days before you were traveling with a. Uh, camera crew going back to when it was just you and we talked about you know how amazing it is to travel alone because that's when you have the experiences that's when people reach out to you that's when you need people that's when people although you're vulnerable they they realize that and they they come and help you somehow they, and they're interested in your journey did you feel sort of happiest in that life when you were a real nomad i remember myself my first time in central asia when I went into the desert in Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, the RLC, uh, sometimes I had to stop my motorcycle and just scream. 
scream of happiness because I, I, I thought, okay, I, I'm under the sky, uh, no one is there, uh, it's me, it's me here, it's me in this amazing place. Uh, I decided to leave my hometown and then I'm here in Central Asia, former Soviet Union, and the RLC, is, there is just dust, desert, big uh, bumps, and everyone I, I meet, it's nice to me, they try, they, 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 they try to help me, and uh, I'm living this dream. So it's like, like living inside a documentary. So when I was sleeping in my tent, and then I, I open the door and look at the sky, I think, okay, the world is just put for me. No? And I'm something incredible, no? Do you think that it's the freest you ever felt in your life when you're on the road like that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, but uh, I, la I love to travel on a motorcycle, but I especially travel on a motorcycle outside Western world. Because the Western world is so comfortable, we have tap water, drinkable, uh, we have lights, we have everything. I have a car parked in my garage, uh, my kids go to school, I have two chairs for my kids in the car, so everything is uh, comfortable, uh, but we have no freedom. There are too many rules, rules for everything. Uh, I, I was born in 1968, I was a kid when in the 80s, I was teenager in the 90s, or the 20th century. We were free in that time. Now we are not free anymore. We are not only for COVID and whatever. No, it's, yeah, it, it, began, it began 20 years ago. Uh, too many rules, rules for everything. And uh, when I go out, I can do whatever I want without disturbing people. Okay. Unless it's like you're going to Morocco, for me it's my backyard, no? I go to Morocco and I can do whatever I want. And what I find really interesting is when you are away, when, you, when it is just you and you're on that trip, it's amazing how little you do need. Okay, for sure, you need some money to travel, but in terms of possessions, you, you really don't need much at all to survive, you know? So I'm interested to know... You know, if you also prefer to travel really light and, and live really simply, you know, without too many comforts when you're on the road. Yeah, yeah, of, co of course, of course. Uh, I did the whole world trip, you know, I spent one, uh, more than one year just on a single trip doing the circle. It was in 2011-2012. I was carrying just three, three panniers and a bag. I was... Now I think I, I was carrying too much stuff. In that time, I thought, okay, I'm going to leave for a year in a trip. Uh, I'm carrying too little. But the, tr the fact is, with my three panniers and a bag, I, I, I was able to carry anything, also everything I need in a whole year. I didn't miss anything. And uh, I had everything with me. Uh, and it was my home because I, I left my apartment. So my home was my motorcycle and uh, I didn't miss anything because I had everything with me. Can you remember what, what you actually put in your panniers? Yeah, more or less I remember. Uh, of course, uh, cameras and a computer for recording my, my movies. 
but uh, I was carrying my motorcycle uh, suit that I still have it. It's the BMW Rally 3. It's, uh, it's more than 20 years, no, it's more than 10 years old, my suit. Uh, I did, it did a whole world tour trip. I'm still using it. I used it last summer, the last, last weekend. And uh, I was carrying, you know, few t-shirts, maybe eight, and two jeans, two pair of jeans, and uh, sports shoes, and nothing else. You know, you know, something for cleaning myself, a towel, and uh, a tent, a sleeping bag, uh, a mattress, and small things that uh, you, you need, no? Uh, Swiss knife, uh, earplugs, not for motorcycling, for uh, people who snore and uh, especially flies, no, over you when you are sleeping. So you, you plug. <laughs> uh, and insect repellent is important. A few tools, maybe. Yeah, and something to for cooking warm. equipment. No, no, even no, not. I didn't uh, bring in that trip uh, cooking equipment because you can, you can find food everywhere. Where, I, where, where there is people, you can find uh, food. So they cook better than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, that's interesting, yeah. What I was carrying is a thermo, a big thermo. Uh, I, fi- I, I fill it with hot water every night. Everyone is uh, boiling water for tea because it's the way they have to, to drink water without, this, without disease. So they are boiling water every, uh, everywhere. So it was easy to find uh, hot water. And in the following morning, I, drew, I drank uh, instant coffee. Then I, I, uh, I went for running. I, I did jogging every day in the whole world. It was an amazing experience. And then I went back and ran my motorcycle. And how easy did you find it to live without, you know, those material things from your old professional life? Things like expensive clothes or your apartment, nice car, things like that. Did you miss it? The life is so basic when you are traveling is uh, the best way of living because your only duties are traveling, arriving the, the, the final point and find a way, uh, a place to sleep and to eat. It's easy. That's, that's your life. You don't have, your only duties are that, are, are those duties. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a, a simple, simple in the mind, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And what about your GS then? Did you modify it at all for traveling? Uh, when I bought my GS, uh, my first GS, the 1200, uh, it was uh, totally regular from the dealership. Uh, plastic panniers, uh, alu wheels. I, I went to Kazakhstan. I, I, I got the China border with a motorcycle with um, plastic bags and uh, alu wheels. I was wearing uh, sneakers. I, I, I didn't wear even motorcycle boots and, uh, you know, jeans. And he did, the, did that trip. So you can do the trip without modifying your motorcycle. Of course, modifying a motorcycle is nice, no? You, put, you see your motorcycle full of stuff, Wunderlich stuff, and you think, oh, that's good, no? I, I'm an adventurer. I, I, I didn't need that. So did you always write and take photos and films or did you actually have to learn these skills while you were traveling? About writing, no, because uh, I had published a few novels in Spanish. You know, it's like a a skill. You you learn when you're a kid and uh, I learned how to write. I read a lot. It's not difficult 
to write properly to make people understand what I'm saying. It's like uh, this conversation. Uh, English is not my mother tongue. It's uh, obvious. Uh, I have. It's been a long time since since speaking English because I'm not traveling uh, nowadays because COVID and uh, all the stuff. So two years without without speaking English, but I I make my brain work to get understood. So it's the same when I'm when I'm writing. I'm a good writer. So for writing, I had no learned special skills for doing a motorcycle reports or journals or whatever. But I had to learn how to make photos and video, of course, because uh, I didn't have a idea about what do, how to do it. So I was not a good photographer when I started traveling. But when when I started traveling, I thought, okay, I have to take good picture of this. But it was easy because the sceneries were so amazing. So okay, I have to be to I have to be very bad photographer to not making good pictures of this. Yeah, you well, you, you say that, but I always enjoyed looking at your pictures throughout the years because you know it, it just it's inspiring, it's evocative, it, and the idea behind it is it makes people think, oh, I would love to do something like that, or I'd love to see that sunrise, or I'd love to meet that those people out there. So it's it's a big responsibility in a way. But what about the feeling of publishing your first adventure travel book? You know, how did that feel as opposed to the novels? My first, my first uh, book of uh, traveling on a motorcycle it was about my experience in Africa. Uh, it was, it's called Un Millón de Piedras. It's been a decade since I published that book. It's uh, still my bestseller book. It's what does it mean? A million stones or million stones? Yes, one one million stones. Yeah, this is it was like the million stones that I have to cross physically in a motorcycle, and the million stones I have to cross mentally. So. The book got you lots of recognition in Spain, and then the TV series, um, did that really take you into the mainstream a lot more? Was it The Diary of a Nomad? Or Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the Diary of a Nomad, Diary of a Nomad is, uh, is shown in uh, the public national broadcast television, RTV2. It's the cultural one. You know, every day they show the, 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 sh- the, the program, uh, 500,000 people watch it. People who make television normally, they have to do reality. But mine is totally different. I do a cultural program about motorcycle trips all over the world. Beautiful people, beautiful sceneries. I speak ev- well of everyone. I make people more confident about the world we are living yeah, it's something that uh, I think my TV show could be seen by my children when they are old and they are going to learn. That's a really important message, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I can be proud of what they are going to watch. But I think what's really nice for them is that you've got this big collection of content that you've made these books these these films and you can show them the world through your eyes through the places that you've been, show them that people are good, are kind, want to help you, show them these amazing places so, so far away, and then see the reaction through their eyes. Yeah, I hope so, but you say uh, apple never falls away from the tree, something like that. An apple never falls too far from the tree, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, at the same time, children do the opposite of their parents. Yeah, so who knows? We'll see. No, uh, 
I would like them to enjoy my content, no? but I'm not going to force them to watch the parents' movie, of course, <laughs> because it's the, it's the best way they hate uh, uh, the, his uh, or their parents' movies. No, but the nice way would be for them to maybe find it for themselves one day and just be really surprised. I only want one thing. I I would like to take them to Morocco or you know, much poorer countries than uh, we are living in Spain. They have very, very nice life. I want them to watch the real life, you know, the, how real people live in the world. Because 80% of the population live under what we consider poverty. So 80% of the population live under our Western world standards. We think we are normal. We are not normal. We have too much of everything, and we spend much more time and money and things than the, the most of the population. They have to watch them. They, they, have, to, they have to know that they just pushing a button and getting light into your life uh, is a miracle. Or opening the top and uh, you can drink water with no limits is a miracle. A lot of people, they don't have that in, uh, in their lives. I, I, I would like to to be conscious, my children, of that reality, because that's the real, that's the, that's the real world. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I still find those things amazing. But in a way, you need to take your kids out of their comfort zones to make them realize that. And uh, they won't thank you for it, but eventually they'll get it for sure. Well, Miguel, it's always been inspiring talking to you. So listen, thanks for your time today. And I really hope to see you on the road soon. Take care, my friend. Okay, Andy, it's been a pleasure to speak with you and with your listeners. I hope they forgive me because my terrible English. Uh, your English is fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Take care, my friend. Okay, see you. Cheers, Miguel. What a great way to live life, to follow in the footsteps of those lost explorers, telling their stories while creating your own. I'm sure fatherhood won't slow you down too much, especially when there are so many stories to share about the kindness of strangers, the wonders of overland travel, and how little you really need to make life a ride. There are so many places to still see out there, and so little time, so it's really up to us to make it happen, isn't it? Right, I'm off to plan my next adventure. How about you? We'll be back soon with the next episode. So until then, take care out there and enjoy the ride, wherever it takes you. Bye for now.